HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. here in Bushwick. We're back for part two, Unprecedented, the Simon Chartier experience. And uh, we're here in uh, Bushwick at Roberto's, of course, on the Heritage Radio Network. And uh, Simon, <laughs> when, you, when you came up to the, to the studio, you took a look around at uh, what Bushwick has become and Roberto's, this, uh, this megalopolis of, a, of a, a very, very, very cool pizza place, too. I know it gets a bad reputation as the epicenter of hip, but I, I say fuck that, you know? I say, you know, why, why be a hipster hater? All these people who are, like, angry that young people are, you know, I just don't hate young people for the sake of being young nah. and and the people here are are they doing the right thing and what, what what did you say when you when 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 you showed up here and saw this at uh the corner of moore and bogart okay well you know i like i i believe me i don't hate young people either i just hate people that treat me like shit that's it if you treat me good i like you you know and I, what i do see though is things are getting more strictly genteel but my first, my, now my kids were born in Bushwick, and my kids are 27 or 24, but they were born in Bushwick. It was a much different area back then. But the first time I ever came to this area, I, I think it was the late 70s or early 80s, I had, you know, I, I've, I've been a, a, a musician my whole life, but occasionally I would take little side jobs, like part-time jobs. Like I was a bike messenger, like I worked as a bike messenger for many years. But I had this job as this illegal garbage dumping guy. I worked for this really sleazy guy, Don Death, this contractor. And we would take old stoves, old refrigerators, old, old pipes, plumbing, wires, wood, all that stuff, and we'd put them, we'd chop them up with acetylene torches and skill saws, throw them into an 18-foot straight truck, and we'd come down here to, like, this block or over to Johnson <laughs> Avenue and just one, two, three, and shovel everything out of the truck into the street and then get out of there really quick. 
And one time we did it on the side of the Grand Central Parkway in a truck. You're not. We just pulled on the side of the Grand Central Parkway and we dumped all the shit out on the side of it. So. Well, I'd say as a metaphor for your, your musical career, it's always uh, easier to beg forgiveness than ask for permission, right? <laughs> yeah, well, remember, laws are mere opinions backed by force. That's Simon Chartier, everybody, and if you're just tuning in, this is part two of the Simon Chartier experience, also known to many of you kids out there as Simon Bar Sinister, and he is, pound for pound, the greatest guitar player in New York City. Simon, man, I'm so happy to have you here. I can't believe it's taken uh, you know four years to get you on Arts and Seizures. Last episode, last show that you were on, uh, we were talking, uh, man, we were talking about all sorts of crazy stuff, and we ended uh, with, a, <laughs> with, with a douchocracy. Douchocracy, yes. And, and your love note to the Rockaway uh, Surf Club. <laughs> But That's I, right, and I and you know, I I, I mean it. <laughs> I know you. I know you did. We're always talking the truth, but uh, today uh, we're going back, yo. We're going way back, and I want to talk to you about um, not only your own bands, Joy Miserable and the Worms, and your time with Barbecue Bob. I want to talk about Charles Honeyboy Otis. I want to talk about Sleepy the Beef. I want to talk about Andre Williams, and I especially want to talk about Bo Diddley, my very, very, very favorite. The, the four total badasses from the 50s that I played with, okay? Charles Honeyboy Otis is like a father to me. You know, my father died when I was very young, and Charles, uh, he kind of, he taught me so much stuff about life, too. And fantastic drummer, fantastic piano player and singer. He played on the Dixie Cups. He played. He played the ashtray on Ico Ico, which to me is like this amazing thing. Because like uh, when you introduced me to him, and I the ashtray on Ico Ico, which is sort of this like completely iconic, like sort of ethereal, otherworldly, cosmic percussion part. Yeah, and 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 he just was laying around the studio, but he played. He also worked for Lieber and Stoller, and I was hanging out with Mike Stoller recently, and I said Charles Otis says hello, and and then uh, when Charles was in the hospital. You know, Mike, Mike Stoller got in touch with him, you know, a real, a real gentleman. And, and Charles is just the epitome of a gentleman. He was also, he was a complete gentleman, a real sweetheart, but he's also one of the toughest guys you ever met in your life if you messed with him. But he was such a nice guy, but just don't mess with him. We should go off book a little bit here. I know we got we sort of uh, have a couple of things planned, but uh, you're, you're holding that guitar in your hands and you're plugged in. Why don't you just like bust out something that uh, okay. you would have you would have played with Charles Otis and uh, you know let's blow some minds. You want something that I would play with Charles yeah. Otis? Yeah. Okay. Something you guys would dig. I mean, I wish I had an, an ashtray here to, to accompany you with. All right. <laughs> this this would be like an example of a song when I was playing with Charles Honey Boy Otis that we would do something. In fact, he taught me the song, so I'm gonna do this one. Okay. <laughs> All right, all right. Saddle up. We got we got this. We got a special uh, rock and roll mic set up. Get away from our our usual NPR special mic. Well, I'm going home, way back home, back to my wife. I'll stay with her the rest of my life. Ain't gonna run no more with Mo and Joe. Oh no, I ain't gonna do it. 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 Ain't gonna run no more. With Mo and Joe, I'm going home. Way back home. Back to my wife. I'll stay with her the rest of my life. Not hanging out with man and Mo and Jack. On the corner smoking crack. No, I ain't gonna do it. Well, I'm 
it ain't gonna run no more with Mo and Joe. Can you dig it? Simon Chartier, Simon Bar Sinister here in Arts and Seizures. And I got to tell you, Simon, you are, you are the king of the unexpected guitar soul. It's one of the, one of the things I really love about your style is you're, you're, you're swinging along. You're play, playing something that um, a normal earth person might, might, might call rockabilly or, or, or blues. And you bust out these solos with these, you know, these, these, these harmonies and these melodies and you know, the sense of harmonics and um, you know, structure. You know, you know, I think about that cat that used to follow Charlie Parker around and just record the solos. Dean Benedetti. Dean Benedetti. And, and then he put out a record of just, just the solos, like not the heads of the songs, you know, and not, not anybody else. It was just, you know, the solos. And I think I, think I could kickstart that project for you, just, just like maybe 17 hours of Simon guitar solos. And also, also you have an uncanny um, ability not to play one extra note. I mean, it, it's great. I mean, there's so many jerk-offs. We all kind of grew up in this guitar solo culture, you know. It's um, because of what Thelonious Monk said. He said... Don't play every note. Let a lot of shit go by. Let it. Let some stuff go by. So I try to like let half of everything go by, and I just try to feel the beat and play on the beat and behind it. And then, like instead of playing the guitar, I try to just play the phrases, you know. And the harmonies—they're altered chords. See, my mom said that to me: altered chords, modern harmony. And then she said, I went and met Charlie Parker. He was so nice. He was such a nice man. He offered to give me and my girlfriend a ride home from Cafe Bohemia in a cab. But I didn't understand. First we went to Harlem. Then we went to the Bronx. Then we went to the West Side. And every time he'd go in and out of a building, and he was more and more upset. And I didn't know. He was looking for something. But I didn't know anything. I was just a little Jewish girl from the Bronx. Okay, who couldn't spell dissipate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, I, I think it's crazy. I, mean, I hear Charlie Parker and you're playing. I mean, like I said, you're, you're blasting away at some Wine Only Harris song, and the guitar solos are like from fucking Saturn, you know? And um, speaking of Saturn, we've talked about Sun Ra a lot. Um, now we should get to uh, Andre Williams. We should get to Andre. Bring me back to Earth, Simon. That's why I Okay, uh, Andre Williams, like, you know, he's another one of the, the legendary 50s badasses that I played with. I loved playing with him. I loved Andre. And I loved his music, and he was quite that, that man. And is for the a squares concept. and the squares in the audience, not that we have any squares in the arts and sisters audience, but for in case anybody wasn't paying attention, tell them just like what you know, what a real badass pimp Andre Williams really was, and like you know, and like an amazing you know, I mean, this what he wrote for Fortune and the songs he wrote for other people, let alone his own kind of like seriously blue hits. Yeah, he he wrote like some stuff like I mean, he had like bacon fat, he had passed the he had passed the biscuits, he had. Um, Oh, oh my! I can't even get into it. But I just loved playing with him, and that was that was quite a band we had when he first came back to New York, and he was on his comeback. I, th- Pete hired me to play guitar in his band, and we also had Bill Sims Jr. We had Willie Martinez on the drums, and we had these five doo-wop singers who were reenacting all that stuff, like um, I, I down got- to Tijuana, and we were reenacting all the arrangements from the Fortune record stuff. And and then he went on; he was playing with the after after that he went on to play with the Demolition Doll Rods and everything. Yeah, that's right, right. Mick, but- Mick has been uh, Mick Collins has been on our show of the. Um- um, I, I have of the, so- of the, of the uh, Dirt Bombs and, and the Gories um, was, was working with them, and Dan Crowhouse got a great new record out, and and, um, and John Spencer worked with them too, and our friends the Sadies. I mean, Andre, uh, man, Andre seems like like the sort of like um, guy who's like you know is both embraced by and has embraced like the Cats, you know, like like my my A team. Yeah, yeah, he is it, it, Andre Williams is the A team. He's just he's a, he's a fantastic 
songwriter, but he's also a conceptual artist. He's he's really like a conceptual well, his, artist. His concepts of like sex and cocaine are fantastic. Yeah, I, I mean, I have so many stories about him, but I uh, that I don't I can't. I'm going to get into the book I'm writing. There'll be a ton of Andre stories. Because Is there going to be a Simon book? I want, I, I yeah, want. it's called Make a Riot, and I'm working on it right now, and I have a million Andre stories, like the time that at the age of 63 he got circumcised. Uh, I'll tell you all about that You heard that it here later. first, kids. He goes, I got circumscribed. But we'll, <laughs> well, we'll go on about that. But now, Speaking of malapropisms, okay. i got to tell you, one of those gigs that I, I saw you y'all at when he was first uh, com, com, coming back, and uh, maybe our friends at Norton Records might have something to do with putting that together. But anyway, one of the duo up guys they were sort of warming up the show and he was introducing uh andre and he goes and now andy williams andy, <laughs> andy williams i just said holy fuck oh. i hope he i hope he doesn't do moon river <laughs> remember the mad magazine chopped liver onions on the side my social life has died from you remember that one uh so anyway now sleepy the beef I loved Sleepy LaBeef. The guy was four times my size, all right? The guy's about six foot eight. First time I ever saw him was at the Mud Club. And for some reason, I wandered down to the Mud Club, and they just let me right in, past the Velvet Robin, and I go in, and Sleepy LaBeef is playing with all the... And I guess it's a band he brought up from Smack over Arkansas with him. And he was just fantastic, man. And, and I just loved his wild, completely uninhibited guitar playing with that fantastic piercing tone that he gets. Then I, I got called to play with him. I was so excited. Think about Sleepy. If you wasn't playing this stuff the way he liked it, he'd turn around and he would go, You better get right, son. Yeah, but he's, I, I, you know, I um, met Sleepy on, I mean, I saw him so many times. I remember when he used to play the Lone Star. And the Lone Star, one of my favorite places back when it was happening, a place where you can go see John Lee Hooker for eight bucks, play two sets, or Sleepy Lee Beef play two or three sets for seven bucks. And when Dr. John was living in New York, he played like, you know, every third Thursday, you know, eight bucks for two sets of Dr. John. I mean, those, those were the days. But Sleepy seemed like a really nice guy to me. He didn't, he didn't seem like, I mean, I know he was a badass. You couldn't do what he was doing and like keep that kind of schedule without being a badass. But he always, always, um, every time I, uh, uh, had a cup of coffee with him after a gig or something. He just seemed like 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 the sweetest guy. Gentlemen, they, 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 that's the way. The, the old days. A gentleman in the old days. How, how you carried yourself out in the street is how you, is your measure to carry yourself like a gentleman. That's what it took to be a man. I'm going to play Sleepy the Beef song I learned from him. I think it's actually TV Slim first, but TV is in television, not as in transvestite. I'm pretty sure. So here's, but I learned this from from Sleepy the Beef because. He's a walking encyclopedia. Every obscure old song that everybody else forgot but Sleepy. He's like a... He was a, a human jukebox, a human so- yeah, song machine. I can't do like all eight verses of it because <laughs> of time, but I'll do a couple of verses. Listen, if we're Sleepy, we're trying to do a 50-minute set. How about it? Flatfoot Sammy bought an automobile. No money down, it was a lightning deal. He didn't want to work, just walk around town. Finance company put his feet on the ground at Flatfoot Sammy always in the jam. Flatfoot Sam got himself a job. Very same day the place got robbed. He's got away, couldn't be found. They blame it on Sam and they drove him downtown. And Flatfoot Sammy always in the jam. Sammy went on a spree, met a 
Well, the way it's 603. She took all his money, sold all his land. The next thing you know, well, she's got another man. That flatfoot Sammy, always in a jam. And he'd always had a song like... That's how he'd end that. That's, that's right. Mozart used the same ending all the time, too. Yeah. Man, cra- crazy, crazy oh, stuff. Oh, there's other thing he used to do on the guitar that I just love. He would be like... I love that. Just man. Gr- grinding it out. Yeah, just yeah. Grinding it out, man. Yeah, that's that sleepy. Now we got to get on to Bo Diddley. Right, man, you're, you're flying, you're, you're flying through stuff. But let's not forget the Italian wedding band. Okay, okay. Uh, you know uh, what? I'll tell you what. Let's let's leave the kids just waiting in anticipation. This is what in show business is called a cliffhanger, Simon. <laughs> okay, I was walking around the Upper West Side. You know, I used to hang out at Central Park Banchill. That's where all the kids hung out. We didn't have Facebook. The internet, cell phones. In fact, a lot of us didn't even have phones. We just didn't care. So what we do is go down to Central Park Bancho and, yeah, and, was, and like yeah. write graffiti and, and get stoned and see who was hanging out and try to talk to girls. So I'm wandering around the Upper West Side, and I hear this band playing, right? And I, I wander into this place. It was a synagogue. It was a back room of a shul. And there's this band in there playing. They're all wearing tuxedos, right? And they're swinging their asses off. So I, I had my guitar. I always carry around my hollow body Gibson, right, 345 stereo. So I said to the guy, can I sit in? So they had an amp up the stage. I plugged in. I jammed with them. And the, and the guy was like, hey, man, you want a gig? And it was an Italian wedding band, right? So we played, we played like in Bath Beach, Bensonhurst, Bay Ridge. We played out in Rockaway at Bayswater Jewish Center. We played at Russo's by the Bay in Howard Beach. Uh, we played at, like, Colonial Mansion in Bath Beach. And this is back when, like, the 70s, the mafia years. The Colonial Mansion. I, I, you know, if, if, if I ever get married, that's where I want the reception. We played this big, big mob wedding on Staten Island. It's, like, a notorious famous. My, so my boss says, listen, the people that are going to be at this wedding, forget about it. Don't look at the women. Don't look at anybody. Keep your mouth shut. And then he does this. He puts, pushes the nose. He goes, the boys, the boys. <laughs> and he used to tell, if I hit a wrong note, he would start cursing me in Italian. He used to say, you play like I wipe my ass. Struns, the lowest, the lowest. <laughs> Strunko, struns. Yeah. And he, was, he would yell at me. Uh, if, if I hit a wrong note on stage, he'd kick me in the ankle. But that's how I learned how to play. I mean, I still hit a lot of wrong notes. I ain't the most. I practice a lot, but I'm not the most precise guy. I'm not Al Miola, you know. Yeah, well, thank God for that. And like Charlie Parker said, you know, you know, you should be able to play any note against any chord in context. And you've created your own context. Tell you what, we're going to take it. We're going to get back with the greatest single guitar lesson ever on Heritage Radio. We're going to talk about Bo Diddley and the art of rhythm guitar. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break. And once again, you've picked out a special song for us. Uh, I think we're going to hear some Link Ray. Tell me about it. Yes, Link Ray, Deuce is Wild. This is like the heaviest, the heaviest, heaviest shit ever. And I think he, had, he was using two drummers on this, I read. And, he's, and he, I think he's using like a, a Gibson, like I think he was using a Gibson Birdland hollow body or maybe a Firebird through a, a Tweed Fender basement, just cranked up. And, and it's just like this is 1964 and this guy is so far ahead of his time. This is like... This is like uh, Johnny Thunder's Sex Pistols, like, like, you know, 12 years before all that stuff happened. All right, listen to the booth. Are you ready? We're listening to Arts and Seizures here on the Heritage Radio Network. Let her rip.
My name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Crazy Daisy, we're back here on Arts and Seizures, and it's part two of the Simon Chartier experience, man. We are just like knocking down the walls over here. We're telling the truth. Simon, man, I can't believe you're here. This is like, this is like, this is like the most fun I've ever had with my clothes on. It, that, that was Link Ray doing Deuce as Well. If you don't like that record, then you're a square. Go back and listen to the Decemberists or Modest Mouse or, or something like that. You know what I mean? Go eat an artisanal, an artisanal organic cake donut and listen to something with a cello on it. Well, this is Arts and Seizures, not NPR, what I call No Pizza Radio. No, you can do the Leonard Lopez show your whole fucking life and they'll never bring you a pizza. By the way, never, so ours yeah. are on their way. Here at Roberta's, I should plug our, our awesome sponsor, Roberta's, here at Heritage Radio. And don't forget, we are member-supported, so push a button, send some money, um, you know, be somebody. All right, here it is. I've been waiting for this. It's the Bo Diddley moment because everybody's got it wrong. Every square white kid in the raw world has got it wrong. They don't know how to play the Bo Diddley beat on the drums. They make the mistake of trying to play the Bo Diddley beat on the drums. You knew the man. You've got the answer. Tell us the truth. This is the money shot. Lay it on me, Daddy-O. Okay, Bo Diddley, another total gentleman, total badass, uh... We got uh, this, his management, Banner Talent Agency. We had been trying to get gigs from them, and they gave us this gig backing him up at the bitter end, okay? This, this is Joey Miserable in the Worms, okay? So we're a bunch of, like, 20-year-old junkies from the Lower East Side, and we're backing up Bo Diddley. And it was just so much fun, and Bo Diddley was such a great guy. And, like, a lot of these guys, see... They knew how to be really nice, but they also had knew, knew how to, like, kick your ass. Like, it wasn't, like, a lot of the culture nowadays where everybody's all passive-aggressive and nice. Like, if these guys are nice, they meant it. When they want to rip your head off, they meant it, too. And, and Bo Diddley was like that because um, he came in and we rehearsed with him, and he had that big square guitar. And I, I still can't figure out what tuning he was using, but it was, like, it went much lower than the guitar and, and I think much higher. And it was kind of the way he played it. It almost sounded like some kind of weird kind of C ninth tuning. I've never heard anything like it before or since. But he was the nicest guy. He was another guy that was like my dad. And he showed me how to do it because I was playing guitar, of course, and he was like this. I'm going to get... See, it's based on the Cuban clave. It's based on the Cuban clave, which is in salsa and son and, and rumba. But... It's got an upbeat. Now, if you listen to other bands, they try to go. And that's not it. See that? That's that's just a straight clave. But what what uh, what what Bo Diddley's playing is almost like a cascara. Of course, the secret to this is you need some friction against the drums. Everybody can't be playing threes. Somebody's got to be playing straight on the beat, right? Yeah. What he made our drummer play, right? What he made our drummer play um, was straight backbeat two, cut time like two, like exactly. a hillbilly beat. Boom, pop, boom. So, boom, pop, boom. Yeah. Well, you can't judge a honey by looking at the beat. You can't judge sugar by looking at the teeth. 
so that's that's how he did it. The other great thing is is that uh, somewhere somebody took a picture of of Joey Miserable and the Worms and Bo Diddley all giving the camera the finger. <laughs> and I wish I could find it. I know it's it's somewhere. I think one of the guys in the Worms had it. And and and, and the other thing was great is that when the bitter end tried to rip us off, he told the club owner to pay us, and we got paid. It's very interesting because. I don't think the band, uh, our pay has ever gone up since 1982. And the other thing is that uh, somebody was heckling him. Somebody was like, play George Thorogood. Like some, oh. And, and yeah. that, that's the classic example of the drummer and the guitar player, player playing the same thing, and it doesn't swing at all. It doesn't swing at all. Everybody's got to play a different interlocking rhythm. See, everybody plays a different part, and it makes three, counterpoint. Three against four, baby. Yeah. So he says, don't come up on my job and tell me what to do. Do I come up on your job, tell you what to do? I'm up here on stage. This is my job. I don't come on your job and take that broom out of your hand. <laughs> uh, crazy far out. So um, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, on part one of this, we're talking about your band, The Rooftoppers, talking about Bebop. We had a funny story about Charlie Parker. But uh, you got some gigs coming up with The Rooftoppers, and it always boggles my mind. Also, uh, you know, you're playing, playing that Telecaster, not uh, traditionally really considered like a, ja- a jazz guitar, but uh, you make it sound nice and warm. Yeah, well, it's partially this is a really good Telecaster. You know, the wood... Is very, a Telecaster is like a very naked guitar, like you're exposed. It's not even a guitar, it's a Telecaster, it's very specific. Yeah, you're, you're very exposed on a Tele, like you're, you're if, if you mess up, it's going to be apparent, I mean, with, I think that's been painfully evident to my listening public today, but uh, it, it's, it's, part of it is like this Rick Kelly, it's the pine body, you got to go to Carmine Street Guitars and try to get your hands on one of these. The big, the big giant, huge neck. Because I also play upright bass, so I'm used to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that neck is like the size of a baseball bat. It's a Louisville Slugger. And then my one of my hobbies is playing classical guitar. Jesus Christ! I remember sitting at uh, Coyote Studios when you were running the desk over there, and you were uh, spontaneously transcribing, playing uh, like lute music, this broke lute music. I'm sure it wasn't written for six strings, and you're just sort of sitting around, you know, doing it with the same alacrity that I've seen you play uh, Johnny Thunders. Well, it says uh, Domenico Scarlatti Cat Fugue. I, I, I was playing that on the guitar. And then also, you know, just the Bach, the lute suites, the cello suites. I mean, I can't play them. I can't go out and play a concert recital, but... You are oddly a Baroque sort of dude, Simon, I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're definitely Baroque, more, more, more than uh, romantic with a capital R. I mean, you're, you're real romantic with a small R, but um, Brahms ain't your bag. It's Bach, obviously. Yeah, Bach is the greatest musician, you know, but I, I love Henry Purcell also. Domenico Scarlatti. I love all the lute composers. I I I love uh, Capsburger, Gaultier. That's like Jethro Tull. Uh, yeah, lute. <laughs> Lute's got twenty six strings, man. You try tuning that. I, I I looked at that thing. I was like, I think I'm gonna stick to the Les Pauls and Firebirds. But like, I would bring a hollow body, but I just run out the house with the Telecaster because it'll do the job, and I could take it on the subway and the bus, and I don't have to be afraid of breaking. Dude, it, I've seen you come you to know? gigs, like but you know, like playing at the rodeo bar, and I know you're coming from Rockaway, and you got this like hand truck, this dolly. You know, you don't have you know your your van these days, and you're bringing several amplifiers. You're playing. I think it's uh, I think you have a, a deluxe, right? That sometimes yeah, bring on gigs, yeah. and but you're bringing your, your Firebird, you're bringing Ellis Paul. Some, I mean, I mean, you bring more gig like on, on a subway. You're taking the train from Far Rockaway to do a to a gig in Midtown Manhattan. Then like you know, most guys will bring to it to a gig. You know, when they actually have normal transportation, people don't understand. In New York City, it's like everything is against us to be in a rock and roll band. It's like it, New York City hates drummers. New York City hates loud. New York City really beats your ass down. If you really want to play music in here, you got to fucking yeah. want it. 
That's right. And you're gigging all the time. Explain, explain to me why you were the most giggingest guy I know locally when everybody else is just throwing their arms up and saying there's no place left to play. I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. I just go and I, I just sometimes people just kind of come along and, get, and, and give me a gig sometimes when I don't know what I'm going to do next, you know? I mean, I can't remember a time in New York when you weren't playing. No, there was never a time I wasn't playing. I mean, there was like a time, there was a, a little while in the late 80s when I had to get my, my shit sorted out where I kind of was off the scene for a little while, but then I came back like straight edge, which I've been for 26 years, you know, and, and I came back straight edge and I just jumped right back into it, you know, and... Uh, well, I don't know how straight edge you are because you believe in the two, the two R's of rock and roll and romance with small, the romance with a small R. I know you, you're a lady killer, Simon. I've seen, I've seen you, I've seen you do it. I've, I've seen you melt an entire room, room of young women with your, with, with your, with your panty pleasers. You know. So why don't we go out with one of these? It's always been the fastest thirty minutes on the internet today. I can't believe this is part two and it's flown by. If you haven't listened to part one of the Simon Chardy experience here on Arts and Seizures, please go on to your internet machine and. Uh, you know, turn turn it back and play the other side of this, this forty-five. Uh, Simon, you got a gig coming up. You're playing in Williamsburg, and I know the Rooftoppers are playing. Go the on. Rooftoppers uh, gig is June twelfth at Sunny's in Red Hook, and uh, you're going to be there again. I think later in June as well. Please do not miss Simon Chartier. He is the greatest. We're going out with a Simon classic. Uh, I got to thank everybody in Radio Land, and of course Liz in the booth. Here we are on the Heritage Radio Network. I think we're going to do. Let's just just walk right in. Let's walk right out. Walk Here right we go. In. Walk right out. Walk right in. Walk right out. Walk right in, walk right out, walk right in, walk right out, walk right in, walk right out. Well, that what this song is all about. Walk right in, walk right out, 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 walk right in, walk right out. Well, that what this song is all about. Well, I got a girl, she loves to huckle buck. Well, I got a girl, she loves to huckle buck. When she come home in the morning, all she want to do is walk right in, walk right out, 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 walk right in, walk right out. That what this song is all about. Well, I like to do the Susan Q, Conga and the truck. Like to do the Susan Q, Congo and the truck. When I get all romantic, all I wanna do is walk right in, walk right in.
get the bucket. Oh, baby, just walk right in. That's what this song is all about. All right. Seizures and ARPA. We're going to see you real soon, though. Simon Chartier, tune in, turn on. Go see Simon. Be somebody. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.